Hello, and welcome to Muse and Metrics. This is your host, Philippa Burgess. This is season four, episode nine, and the topic today is advocate. Advocate is about how to stand up and protect yourself, how to ask for what you need, how to be aware of the needs of others around you, and know when to step in on their behalf to help them get what they need. Uh, and to look around and see who's in your life who can help to advocate for you, uh, to help you navigate certain systems, certain problems, make recommendations on your behalf, just help you move forward. So the idea of an advocate, and in the British legal system, uh, an advocate is the attorney who can represent you in court, so they are advocating your case. Uh, in French, l'avocat, so the advocate, uh, is the person who speaks on your behalf, who represents you. Uh, sometimes you want to speak on your own behalf. And that was the lesson I learned uh, between last episode and this episode. I've had an adventure as my life continues to unfold. And in the meantime, got a call saying that my dad was in the hospital. He'd taken a really bad fall. And even then, sometimes advocates, instead of moving you forward, kind of hold you back because uh, he was uh, had had a run-in with the sidewalk, and as he referred to it as a three-point fall, uh, falling with his hands, his head, and the brunt of his torso. Uh, he was bleeding out of his head and just rather bruised up, and people on the street in New York City came to his rescue just as he was uh, arriving in the city and crossing 8th Avenue. And they got him kind of back to the Port Authority, uh, to a Port Authority police officer who was able to kind of manage it from there and make sure that the uh, ambulance was called and that he was going to be in good hands and get himself the medical care and attention that he needed. And it was going to take some time uh, in a busy rush hour day uh, for that em emergency services to come. And there's really not a lot of places to sit in Port Authority. So they all knew there was a Walgreens with a pharmacy that had some chairs. And so they carted him in there and gave him a seat uh, to wait. And although he was a bit cranky because he had come into the city for meetings and had a full day plan that was abruptly upended with this fall, the Port Authority police officer was not having him go anywhere but in an ambulance. So in some ways, people can advocate for us even when we are not that excited about that because uh, he was a little grumpy about it because he kind of was thinking, well, I've got places to be, not realizing that at that point his body was just running on adrenaline and to really understand how badly gashed his head was and how badly bruised his ribs were and to assess whether it was another medical issue that had prompted the fall. So I get the call uh, about this and I hear about it by the time he's actually checked into the hospital and a little concerned because I don't know um, how bad or what happened. 
Um, but fortunately, my brother and my stepmom are in the city and they're able to, again, help advocate for him and for his well-being and make sure he's got everything he needs. And the hospital wanted to do what they do and run all their tests and check him in for the night. And we just sort of saw our whole family kind of rally around to make sure he got what he needed. And the people he had gone in to see for the meeting came to visit him in the hotel room, actually not the hotel room, the hospital room uh, the next day to which they had their meeting. And uh, my brother came by to get him when he was checked out and get him back across the city. And then I met him at the park and ride. I took an Uber over there so I could drive his car back to the house with him and make sure that he was um, getting all the medicines right, which he had many, and rebandaging and putting some uh, ointment on his uh, head wounds. Uh, So it was something that it was clear that he knew how to advocate for himself, get what he needed, but also that people around him were ready to advocate as well. And it didn't really necessarily prompt me to think of this uh, theme of advocacy relative to that, but it's just an, an exa- the beginning of an example of sort of, and what happens in a week, uh, just to see that how quickly we can stumble, how quickly we can fall, and how much all of us need interventions in our lives to uh, get back and going forward. And as the doctor said, the, you know, the pain would only continue to get worse. And once they'd run all the tests and they knew that it wasn't, you know, a heart or a stroke or anything that had caused the fall other than just kind of a bit of a wobbly balance and a kind of tripping over oneself that was the the cause of the fall, then uh, there was less cause for concern and he still needs to take his time and his his ribs are going to hurt for for some time. But getting him back to the house, getting settled, I then felt comfortable getting on my way as I was now about to head to the airport on my next adventure. And because I had taken the Uber and I had not taken an Uber from Pennsylvania because it's quite rural and I didn't really quite know how easy it would be to get a Uber driver who wanted to go into the city. And so with that, I was able to uh, find a woman who I mentioned that I was going to be going out of the airport. She's like, oh, no problem. I can take you. And so we were able to schedule that. So she came and picked me up on Saturday and got me to Newark Airport, where I was scheduled to fly out uh, later that afternoon. And I'm someone who likes to get to an airport early and relax and settle in. I do not like to be rushed getting onto a flight and never want that thought of, oh my gosh, what if I miss this flight? That is just not how I operate. I always want to plan to get there early and just not have any stress. So I was there in plenty of time and then flight got delayed, flight got delayed. And I wasn't the only flight getting delayed. There were other flights. uh, And in being in the gate area, there's this kind of common area with the kind of restaurants and tables and 
chargers. And so there was kind of a common table where a number of us had gathered who were had our flights getting delayed. And some of us were going to San Diego and some of us were going to Miami and kind of a good mix. Um, but it was the Miami flight that was getting pushed back and then eventually boarded and eventually left. So there was some hope that, okay, flights are leaving. So maybe it just is a delay to our San Diego flight. But then it was seven, it was eight, it was nine, it was 10, it was 11. And it just kind of, they kept pushing it hour by hour until we got to just before midnight when they officially announced your flight is canceled. And it was at a time where dozens of other flights were also now officially canceled at this time. Not to say there weren't others canceled throughout the evening, but now I was particularly aware that there were hundreds and hundreds of people who were being directed to another gate to meet with gate agents to sort out uh, rearranging their itinerary and figuring out what was going to be next for them. And I had moved on from talking to one gentleman who was on that Miami flight to uh, some other people at the table who are now part of the uh, San Diego flight. And we'd been chatting as we all walked over together and we're standing in line. And it was a gentleman, his six-year-old son and his girlfriend. And, you know, just talking about stuff and it was just very interesting to see how the next, not only hours, but day unfolded as almost a case study in equity or more specifically in equity, because I am very comfortable advocating for myself. I know how to ask for what I need. I know how to speak up. I have no problem figuring things out, asking questions, understanding that there's limitations uh, to the circumstances, but also that I needed a hotel, I needed transportation, I needed food because they just pushed my flight out. Um, I need to talk to someone about re rescheduling my flight. And with that, I got on the app and I did the video chat and I ended up speaking to a gentleman who I basically could see the top of his bald head, but I wasn't actually seeing his face, but I could hear, and I think he was mostly seeing my ear because I couldn't really quite hear him in the video. So I was putting the phone up to my ear. So he was getting my ear. I was getting the top of his head, but we were communicating and he was doing his best to be helpful. Though at one point he offered me to go to a different airport and I said, no, he offered me three connections. I said no. And we just kept going until he found me a flight, a uh, direct flight to LA and then a short flight down to San Diego. So I said yes to that. But I, I had to keep digging because I was quite comfortable saying, no, that's not going to work. No, that's not going to work. No, I'm not going to do that. And um, also making sure that I would get a hotel voucher uh, to which at the same time, uh, the woman from the group that I was with, she had gone over to the gate 
I was already hearing very clearly the gate agents were telling everybody they were talking to, no, there are no hotel rooms. No, we're not giving away. Hotels are not an option here either. They're all booked or we're not offering vouchers or whatever it was. She got a pretty hard no from what she gathered by going over to the gate agent area. And so we were still in line while I was on with the virtual customer service agent. And so I got what I needed um, because I made sure to ask for the hotel. And he kind of, there was a slight resistance. And then he's like, oh, whatever. I've been giving them away all day. Here you go. And then also said he would send me some uh, travel vouchers for uh, the uh, transportation to the hotel and food vouchers. And so I was feeling that I had definitely gotten what I needed. I had absolutely advocated for myself. And yet I'm looking at this line and there were a few hundred people in front of me and there were definitely a few more hundred people behind me. There easily could have been a thousand people on this line. Uh, All different ages, all different ethnicities, all different, all different countries that they came from, um, different ages with people who had young kids, uh, older kids, um, elderly people. So not everybody is going to have the same digital comfort. Um, Some people really felt like standing in that line was going to solve their problem, that eventually they would get to the front of the line and that that person would help them. And I felt that the outcome between the digital uh, support and the in-person support was sort of night and day. Furthermore, I was not going to hang up with my agent who had helped me. And I made that very clear until he helped the people that I was with. And I handed my phone over to uh, the gentleman and he was able to talk to them. And he was traveling with a six-year-old son and his girlfriend. And I was very clear. I was like, we're not getting on the phone until they've got a new flight and they've got their hotel vouchers. And that is what happened. Um, because he was trying to call on his own and he wasn't getting any answer. She was having a back and forth with the text chat, wasn't really making much progress. And so it was important to me that I'm like, hey, if I can solve a problem, I can't solve everybody's problem here, but at least I can try to do my part to advocate for the people that I'm with. And it even socially would have not felt very good for me to be like, oh, I'm good, but sorry that didn't work out for you. It was very important to me at least to have equity within my immediate circle of people I'd become acquainted with and sort of had aligned myself socially to have some sort of companionship on this uh, situation and this sort of experience. And it was good to sort of kind of buddy up with people and um, feel like we could get through this together and answer each other's questions. I didn't certainly have all the answers. There were many things I asked them. Um, There was just sort of this mutual help that was happening because in some of it, I was like, wait, where are we going? What are we doing? And they were very helpful to me as well. And so once we got that sorted, we didn't have to go to the front of the line. We were done. We left the line and uh, we went to go get uh, the cab to the hotel. But on the way there, they needed to now figure out what was happening with their check bags. Like, could they claim their bags and have their bags with them at the hotel? Or were they 
where were they? Uh, that was the next question. So we went down to the baggage information desk and they waited in that line. And so I didn't need, I was with them, but I wasn't in sort of the, the curly queue of the, the front of the line, the, the back of the line just was like one long straight line that just spread for miles. But anyways, as they, they were in the kind of front of that line and I just was, um, kind of outside of that uh, gate, um, not gated area, but where they have those strips that they just kind of queue you and kind of move you through the queue. And I had um, some people approach me who were foreign and they were completely confused about where their bags were going to be and if their bags were now going to be on the new flight. And I tried to look at their itinerary. They had a um, new printed itinerary and I couldn't really help them. And then quickly realizing they don't have a U.S. phone, so they can't call any of the U.S. service and they weren't getting onto Wi-Fi and they were just without a phone. It was pretty much impossible to get any further answers. And I tried with my phone, but I wasn't really getting anywhere. And I quickly kind of the conversation sort of moved past the baggage because it was really clear, like, I, I don't know, you're really just going to have to uh, talk to, a, to a, an, an agent about that. Um, but it was, where are you staying? And they were like, oh, we don't know. I was like, did you get a voucher? No, we, they didn't know to ask. And that was a big thing about knowing to ask. And so I couldn't really get any through to anybody at that time. So I just said, well, why don't you just come over to the hotel with me? Cause I was kind of hearing for a lot of people that a lot of the hotels were booked. So even if the airline would give you a voucher. There, there wasn't a room to give you, but I said, just oh, come with me. We'll figure it out. So we all shared an Uber and there were some challenges there because they gave me a lift voucher and then the lift voucher had disappeared on my app, but my, I was running out of power. So I have to have count running into baggage claim. Anyways, one driver that I kind of, that got canceled. So I said it over. I was like, I'm just going with Uber. So I called Uber and or went back and got enough charge to get that going. And um, it was very clear about exactly where I was going to meet him. Cause I was like, my phone may die, but here we are. We'll be, there's three of us and we're going to be, you know, he wanted us at like the um, area four. So we're like, we'll see you there. And uh, got over there, met him, was so happy to see him. And so went over the hotel, went to check in at the hotel. They had my voucher. So they, had my room uh, set and um, asked about getting them a room because they were said they're happy to pay for it. Um, but it was just really about knowing where to go. And they said, no, no, there's no more room at the hotel. So I said, oh, it's fine. Just come stay with me. And so they said that was fine. It was a, a woman and her nephew. And uh, he was about, he was 19 and she seemed, seemed about uh, my age, kind of in a mid forties. And we, went to, um, you know, shared the room. That was easy. Nice. We all were happy to have a warm bed and comfortable and get a good night's sleep. And, uh, the next day, um, they wanted the meal vouchers, um, at breakfast and we had 
I had the three, so that worked out fine. So I was able to sort of um, get us all checked in for breakfast. And then we were able to take the hotel shuttle back to the airport and then went back, figured out their luggage, uh, waited in that very, very long line. Um, and the next morning it was much, much longer than it had been the night before. And then I always felt like I was watching it. Like I was living it, but I was also sort of watching it because I was so clear how privileged I was. I was on my own. I wasn't with someone or myself elderly. I wasn't with someone with kids. Um, I just felt so much compassion for parents because it was so very difficult when your flight gets canceled uh, and you're upended um, for people who had very fixed um, work responsibilities, um, other life responsibilities that I just don't have. So I was very aware of my privilege. I was very aware that I had advocated for myself and I was pleased that I'd advocated for those that were around me or just tried to help them the best I could. And then uh, I went out um, to lunch. These folks were from Belgium and just lovely. And we had a very nice lunch together and uh, they used their vouchers this time to pay for my lunch. Uh, you know, so it was, everybody was appropriately you know, sort of bartered and, you know, I, I felt taken care of. They felt taken care of. We were all, you know, doing the best we could with what we had. We kept, um, you know, giving each other input and feedback if we thought our flights were going to get out that night because we were watching more and more flights get delayed. Either they were late arrivals, they didn't have a plane to put us on, or there were other issues. And the weather was kind of weird. It was kind of stormy-ish, but not really. It was so we weren't really clear if the weather was holding it up or just there, they just had, didn't have the flights. And then some were sort of getting canceled on maintenance or they just didn't have the crew or the crew had timed out. So it was still just kind of messy. We we're still kind of watching at some point in the afternoon, the board just looking pretty decimated because both of us had evening flights. And about five o'clock, we went to our, said goodbye, went to our respective gates. We've been kind of spent the day hanging out together and then went to my gate and met the same couple that I had, um, spent time with the night before. Um, and I had seen him down in the lobby of the hotel in the morning. So, um, he said they were all sort of sleeping and they got, um, his, his girlfriend and his son were sleeping and then they got a late checkout, which was good for them. I think that just was, um, helped them be better situated. And then we just kind of started hanging out and watching what was happening. And then we went, then they changed our gate. So we went over to the new gate and they canceled our flight again. And it was the same thing where I kind of immediately got back on to figure out what my next best option was. And now a direct flight to San Diego popped up, which they had not offered us the night before, but I saw it and I was like, yep, I want to be on that one. And the girlfriend was able to get on that flight as well, but her boyfriend and the son were not on that flight. And he was really struggling because they just were like, nope, that one's, we can't put you on that one. And, and he was the one who had a very fixed work commitment and also needed to get his son back to his 
the son's mom's and it was just, you could tell he was just getting really stressed out. And at one point he went to take his son to the, the restroom and I, and it occurred to me, I was like, wait a second, there's all this chaos going on that I said, we're booked on a flight from LA to San Diego and the three of us are not going to be on that flight. We're on a direct flight now from Newark to San Diego. There's probably a lot of people who are going to connect to get onto that flight. Maybe they're coming in from Boston or DC. So there's a possibility that there'll be empty seats on that flight. And people who go standby usually have a buddy pass or they're uh, work for the airlines or friends of the airlines. So I said, you should basically be able to get ahead of anybody who is on standby. And so when he came back or she actually texted him, my thought, I said, you just need to like call again and advocate to get on that flight. Even if you're kind of on at the the head of the standby list, the reality is like somebody's not going to show up for that flight. You need to get those seats on this flight. And, um, he called again and with that logic, he got, um, two seats, um, that, you know, however it was, they were just gonna, they do that sometimes where they're overbooked on a flight and they'll just be like, Hey, anybody, do you want to take a voucher and pick another flight? So they did get him on that flight. Cause I was like, you know, well, there's so much chaos. There's gotta be like pockets. There's gonna be holes in the chaos. And it worked out that we all kind of got onto that third flight. And even that one got delayed. It was already delayed when we were uh, rebooked onto it. So we knew it was uh, not without its own challenges. And then it got delayed by an hour and another hour and another hour. And then finally, um, they boarded us in what was supposed to be a 7.30 flight, um, ended up boarding around 10.30 at night. And then, and to the airline's credit, um, they just didn't want to leave until all the baggages from all the passengers had moved from a different terminal to this terminal. So they're like, yeah, we're just going to hang out. I mean, they were nice about it, but they're basically very clear. Like we're not leaving until, you know, 48 bags are boarded onto this, onto this flight. And similarly with that couple, their, um, their bags were not there when uh, they got to San Diego, but they got informed that their bags were already on their way to LA and that they would just be sent to them the next day. So that is the story of airport chaos. And in the fact that I'm studying disaster management, and I had just done a report about the winter storm of 2022, and I brushed over it when I presented it both at my uh, colloquium presentation and in my paper when I was like, oh, look, 18,000 flights were canceled. I don't think I really understood the impact on people, on the airline, on everything when 18,000 flights get canceled, like what that actually looks like, what that actually feels like, what that experience is, and how uneven that experience is. And not uneven based on, oh, you have a better ticket than someone else. Okay, that's, and even that to me has some fairness because you can understand that like, oh, well, they had a better ticket, so they would get a priority service. Um, It's also when you have not really 
it's not clear why the flights were being canceled because the airport policy says in writing, if it's weather, that's on you because it's not our responsibility. We don't control the weather. But if it's, you know, mechanical issue, if it's our crew, if it's something that is in our control and that that's the reason that your flight is being canceled or extended, extended delay, then we will take responsibility and give you those meal vouchers. And potentially if there's an overnight, that um, hotel voucher. But this one was very unclear in its communication because all the flights were just tangled. They were tangled in the fact that they were just delayed coming in. Um, There was some weather issue, but the weather didn't seem like it was as much in our area as much as it was a storm out on the Atlantic and a storm uh, in the Midwest. And so it was understandable that flights going east or west might have a delay and that a a flight to Miami just going north-south would be fine. But then the flight to Montreal, which was directly north, was also canceled. So none of it was really clear what was the reason. So that also made it really difficult to ascertain or to argue uh, what was the reason for this. And it was even the girl was texting with the agent and she was even kind of arguing with the agent about what the reason was, um, if it was weather or not weather. And it was not clear about what flights were canceled for what reason. And so I just come back to this sense of equity, like how not user-friendly the apps were, how not user-friendly the whole process was. And that if you didn't really advocate for yourself or people in your circle didn't advocate for you, or you didn't take the opportunity to advocate for others that you, when you could, that it was mostly very difficult for people. And there were people who ended up just sleeping at the airport, which is not particularly comfortable and really, really difficult if you're there with kids or as an older person. Um, And I just, people who are foreign just seemed so confused uh, and just disoriented. So I felt everybody kind of left kind of uncomfortable or out of pocket. And I wasn't particularly stressed for me because again, I was just more of, I was in it, but I knew I was fine. So it was much more of just like focusing on kind of almost like being a student of like, what is happening here? Huh? This is kind of interesting. It's like interesting to watch. But it leads me to just encouraging us to think about the role of the advocate, um, where we may need a medical advocate or be a medical advocate for ourselves or for others. We may need to be a financial advocate for ourselves or for others. Uh, We may need to advocate as it relates to our relationship with travel or with other businesses or with really just anything that uh, requires that ability to understand a situation and know how to move through proper channels to speak up for ourselves. Uh, And then there's smaller ways. I feel like as a student, one of the things I love about school is that I'm really getting the opportunity to 
realize like how invested our professors are and there are advocates. Um, also just even fellow students telling us about resources and tools that we might not otherwise know about or just how we help each other as students or even now being a Google Women Tech Makers ambassador and like what does that mean as far as that ability to lift up each other's voices or ask for the help that I need from our advisors. And I've decided I wanted to be a Google development expert and knowing that part of that process is you have to have someone from Google uh, or if another GDE recommend you into the program. So I was recommended by my Women Tech Makers uh, advisor but um, for better or for worse, she put me in touch with the head of the entire program. And I haven't heard back, but I think it's like I was really more interested in what is the process and what path should I take and where should I focus? And I don't think he perhaps was the right person. I will follow up again, but I almost want to do it as a midstep. I, I want to midstep it. I'd like to talk to somebody else. Um, perhaps enough, another actual GDE, not the head of the whole GDE program, to get some advice about what kind of training I should be pursuing, what kind of tools, what level. I, I, I need to just do a little bit more of my own inquiry and then just ask more questions so that when I go back to him, I can sort of share, hey, I figured out this, this, and this. And either I'm ready to move forward or, um, you know, I'll come back to you when I'm ready to start the process. So I just, I, I feel like it's, I just know that I have advocates in my corner for that. And then similarly, as an ICE, ICCAE scholar, I have advocates there in terms of my program administrator is able to make recommendations for me. They regularly have panels introducing us to opportunities, and I raised my hand after the speaker last week and was able to uh, say, yeah, this sounds like an opportunity I'm very interested in, and I mean, he's a recruiter, so he was really happy to hear that, and she said, I'll put you two in touch, and I followed up on Monday after he had presented on a Friday. And he was very prompt in writing back to me saying, great, tell me the position that you're interested in and I will support it. Um, and I came back and I said, I'm looking at the 2024 internship and um, I'll go ahead and start my application. And then I just focused on the application. It took me a couple hours to really just get my cover letter right, revisit my resume and really try to craft it for this particular opportunity and then sent him another note saying, great, I've submitted it. And then um, the next morning he said, fantastic, I've um, you know put a note in the system uh, recommending your application. And I also shared that with our program administrator and she was also very pleased that I had taken action on that. So those are the ways that we advocate for ourselves. I think for me knowing what do I need before our I graduate so that I really stand out in the marketplace. And the things that I want are to get that GDE credential. So I'm really 
kind of have that stamp of approval as someone in tech and that I'm coming in with some verifiable tech skills. And then I want to be someone who has the IC community approval as well. So the opportunity to go through a security clearance and just get into an agency and get that experience, I think will go a long way in really positioning me or directing me in terms of what is going to be the right fit and the right professional home for me. So with that, uh, again, I'm continuing to advocate for myself. And even when my dad went to the hospital, I had a pretty major assignment due. And I just went ahead early and said, hey, you know, this is something happening that I need, you know, may need some extra time. I don't know the situation. I'm just kind of, you know, I I explained a little bit of it. And um, I said, you know, at this point, I'm just kind of waiting to hear more. So I'll proceed with my project. But if anything happens, you know, and I need an extension, just this is my uh, heads up about it. And he was really, he wrote back and he's like, yeah, absolutely. If you need an extension, no, no problem. Um, and so I think that just knowing that asking for those extensions when they are needed are very, uh, useful to know that that flexibility exists, but it always exists in advance of the fact rather than after the fact. So if you need more time, you always need to ask for it before the assignment is due, not after. And so I have definitely learned that in my academic program. So I have definitely learned that in my academic program. I think that's what I'm really enjoying is the fact that I'm sort of feeling that I'm comfortable now with my role as a graduate student, having been doing it long enough. Now I knew like obviously a lot of stuff stretches me, um, but I would expect no less in the professional world as well once I kind of get back to it. I'm definitely getting my strength back after all of my upendedness. Uh, And that also the last week I was talking about the difference between excuses and reasons. And I ended up having a conversation with the first guy I was talking to on his way to Miami and shared that with him. And he loved it. He was taking notes and he was like, I want you to be my mentor. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I would love that. And the other girl, I was like, hey, you should totally get into uh, being a woman in tech. And she uh, wasn't really sure what to do with that. Um, but she, she was open to it. She actually, I said, because um, she had emigrated into the United States and was educated outside of the country, but within the U.S., which is finding it very hard without a degree from the U.S. without certain things. And I was like, no, you're pretty smart. I have a feeling you'll totally pick this up really fast. If you, if you have an interest in it, I can show you how and where to start and just, just follow it where it leads. And they care more about the fact that you know how to do it and that you can learn it than you, um, coming in with a, a, let's say a degree. I mean, you can get certain certificates along the way. There's plenty of free and low cost certificate programs to showcase that you have gained this particular skill. So if I can advocate for people, if I can help people, if I can mentor people, I think that's really fun. Uh, If I can find people who are willing to go to bat for me and make those recommendations and help me with 
these applications if I can just see where these inequities are and see like how how can we do better? Is there a better way? Uh, and that is something that even when I talk about it being a long line, the problem with that long line, um, specifically the one that when it came to rebooking a flight or getting a hotel is that it really was first comes to her serve. So whether you were at the front of the line talking to the gate agent or you were on the phone getting handled by a virtual agent, the sooner you were handled, you were getting that spot on that next flight. You were getting that hotel room that were all in finite supply. So that was another reason why Obviously, somebody's going to be served first and somebody's going to be served last. You can't change that. There's a particular order that all of those people are coming after the same fixed resource because they're not just going to put in a whole nother plane, which in some ways, if they had another plane to put in, would have just solved the problem so much better to say, hey, we just canceled a full flight from Newark to San Diego. So tomorrow afternoon, we'll just put in another full flight from Newark to San Diego. And, but instead they don't do that. They're like, okay, how do we reroute you? And that's, uh, in, in our existing schedule. And that is just what creates this cascading chaos. And because it's overnight, that just creates another sense of, uh, frustration because even, you know, is the question, is the uh, airline paying for it or are you paying for it? And in my case, I got the airline to give me the voucher and the foreign people I met, they were fine to pay for it. They, they, but there were just, by the time they even knew to figure out, yeah, where do we go? Uh, they, and they were just stuck because they just did not have a working phone. So it wasn't even like they could look up, well, where are the nearby hotels or call an Uber or just all the things that we take for granted. Um, their phone was just really not working. So it was, um, rather difficult to know kind of how to put that all together. But that's where I think it's important to just look around to the people around you in your life, just see like, yeah, where can I be helpful? Um, it didn't put me out. I was doing exactly what I was going to be doing anyways. And it was actually kind of fun to have the company, um, since I was traveling on my own anyways. And I felt very, my gut was very safe and comfortable, um, with these people. So I just, um, you know, followed my instinct and, um, did what I felt was right. So that's my thought for you is just think about, the role of yourself as an advocate. Um, where can you advocate for yourself or should you advocate for yourself? Even as a parent, you're always advocating for your kids at school, advocating for your kids in sports. Um, it's an important um, role. And then also teaching kids to know how and when to advocate for themselves and how to do it in a way that doesn't really come across as a complaint. And it goes back to that other thought that I shared, which is understanding the what happened, what was the impact of what happened, and then how do we move forward? Um, and so you're taking away 
not to say that there's not emotion involved in that, but it's very practical and the person listening to it understands how you are looking to move forward. What do you need to get on? Like what is, and I think even in rebooking and asking for a, the hotel, it's like, what happened? You canceled my flight. That's what happened. Okay. What's the impact of what happened? Well, I'm not leaving this airport tonight. I, or at least I'm not leaving this area. I need a place to sleep. I need to food. I need transportation. I need, um, a new flight. And because, you know, all of those things just went away. Those are the, that's the impact of what happened. Um, and then the, how do we move forward? Well, you know, get me a new ticket, um, get me those vouchers. Um, and, and of course the airline appropriately sent emails saying, Hey, you know, tell, tell us about your experience. How can we do better? What worked, what didn't work? So it's always interesting, I guess, to see how they take these surveys and what they do with them, how they take these surveys and what they do with them. Um, because I was very forthright in my comments about I'm fine but it was a really interesting case study in what equity or in this case inequity looks like and how uh, the resolution just felt like it was so unevenly applied and 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 to that end someone has to be first someone has to be last so um it's just a question of is it always going to be the same type of people that are first and is it always going to be the same type of people who are last um, in these situations? And we can definitely not get those opportunities that we deserve or that we want if we don't seek advocates for ourselves, seek those people who can um, put in a good word, make that recommendation, or even let us know that that opportunity even exists to begin with. Those are all things that um, an advocate can do. Sometimes that's the question. What do I do? Where is the opportunity? Um, with the idea of like, how do I improve circumstances in all cases? So the idea of advocating is making sure that the right things are being done in the right order, in a way that doesn't do harm, in a way that uh, improves outcomes. And it might be because you've been through it before and you just know how it's done. It might be because you're already part of an industry or an organization. It might be because you're seen as a leader and there's, or that person is seen as a leader and there's an, a certain amount of respect that comes with that person's endorsement. Uh, it may come in just simple ways that we all need help. We all need a lot of help. Um, there's things that we can do. There's things that we can't do. And so if everybody can kind of work from their strength and then lean on each other in our weakness, um, that's where we grow stronger together and get better together. And a lot of times they'll talk about the value of intergenerational uh, relationships. And I know like in urban planning, 
there was a lot of an old model that they tried to concentrate poverty, just kind of remove it um, out of the public view. And they created these projects that um, didn't have access to good education, didn't have access to jobs, opportunity, green space. Uh, they were food deserts. They were, they were just awful in so many ways. And they became more awful. And a lot of it was just people didn't see a path out. They didn't see opportunity or they made their own opportunity, but they were criminal opportunities. Um, people kind of preyed upon them in, in other ways. And so now it's like when they look at kind of how do you address urban poor, they're really trying to create a mixed income environment so people can have role models. So it is a place that is evidence that um, multiple incomes would want to live in that community, in that building, and that it's held to a, a higher standard and it has the opportunity to improve a quality of life, not to uh, further degrade it. And so those are ways in terms of that thinking is it's good for um, diverse ideas to come together and different people to play to um, their strengths and have a positive influence on each other. I think that is even the power of radio and the power of a podcast in different voices can be heard, different perspectives can be heard, and you can see an alternative, another possibility. And in, you know, just how I'm living right now, where I'm here, there, and everywhere um, in San Diego right now. And I'll be here for another 10 days. And then I'm in England. And then I'll be in Ireland. And then I'll be back somewhere in either California or Colorado. And then to Colorado, and then to California, and then to Pennsylvania, um, possibly to DC. Uh, so this is just kind of how I'm living. And it's joyful for me right now. There's, it's just, I feel very, very aligned in my life between my relationships with my parents, my relationships, with my friends, my relationship with my martial arts, my school, uh, my content. Uh, I just, my learning, um, wanting to get better at content creation, wanting to get better at programming and coding and really data science. So all of that is feeling like it's coming together and I'm feeling really good about where I'm at right now. And I know that I have another 18 months to really sort of get my own plane to take off in the right direction. Uh, I've definitely been leaning on uh, school cash flow to sort of get myself sort of reoriented. And now I'm kind of getting to the place where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of ready to get back to work. Um, I'll get money for my scholarship this summer. And that's sort of a beginning of like, okay, let's just start moving in the right direction because I just took a lot of time off mentally because I was just so exhausted and just traumatized by things that happened to me personally and professionally. And I just needed a break. And I was physically dealing with a lot of health stuff and I had all my moving stuff and my storage stuff. And it's like, I've been just going through it, but also just one step at a time. And I've had a lot of support. There's just no way I could have done 
many of the things that I am doing and I have done without friend support, family support, the kindness of strangers, um, all of it to uh, move me along. And then now sort of really step by step how the people in my urban planning master's program helped me get into my uh, spatial science program and how the people in my spatial science program are helping me um, look for and find other opportunities and how everything is just kind of building upon itself and quite joyfully. And I'm feeling that I'm wanting to do content, but I realize that like I want to do content and my professional work kind of in tandem. I see the content is important, but it's it, it, it want, I want it to the conversation to be around the work that I'm doing in uh, GIS and in human security and in um, issues around climate impact and geopolitics and just generally map data design and you belong in STEM and all of those little kind of paths that I've created. So I want to be able to flesh those out and fill those out as I go. And I'm excited to interview people, but I realize that that is limited. I can only interview people in the ways that you know, my time allows. And my time is so incredibly stretched at this time because of all of my travels. So I've, you know, just kind of keep this as a solo show just because that's what works in my schedule. And then I'm going to focus on the summits because I think the summits are just a great way to bring multiple people together and have a great conversation and make it interactive and, and just, just it, the sum becomes larger than the parts. The whole is, um, is bigger and that way. And that's, I like it that way. And so they're having a couple of conferences that I can't go to cause I'll be out of the country. Um, that, uh, and that's great. Like they'll pay for the hotel, they'll pay for the travel, they'll pay for the conference ticket. And they're very, very supportive of their ambassadors. And now that I'm kind of getting a handle on what the program is to really make sure that I can get the most out of it and, yeah, just feeling really fortunate. I feel like between being an IC scholar, being a global woman tech maker, um, being a student, being a 360 radio, uh, talk radio for women host, being a 360 talk radio for women host, I feel like my hands are full. And then what I do on TikTok, what I do on YouTube, what I do on my Medium blog, I think all of that like just rounds it out. So I'm feeling like really in my zone and really uh, do feel like I have advocated for myself to uh, even get to this point because advocacy sometimes is just as simple as applying, applying for that job, applying for that volunteer role, applying for that scholarship, that opportunity, or the Google Women Tech Makers, that ambassadorship or just call it that program. Um, I've applied for now uh, summer internships. I've applied for um, like week-long mentorship programs. I've just applied for a lot of stuff. And I've been told in certain cases, um, no, I'm not the right fit, but I'm starting to 
get really good feedback. So like the one that I applied to last September, I really did not feel like I qualified for because it was, I was so at the beginning of my learning and that whole application felt incredibly aspirational and I didn't get it. And I wasn't surprised. I, I didn't have an advocate. It just like, it was such an early application that, um, it it was okay that I didn't get it. Um, and then another one that I applied for, um, for, for summer 2023, my resume has evolved so much since September. And so now in spring of 2023, I'm like, okay, yeah, I have a good resume now. Like I'm ready to present. And so I did another one and I didn't realize like they only get one intern. I was thinking, you know, I'd be part of like a collection of interns and they're like, you know, the guy actually came back to me and he's like, you have a really impressive resume, but we need someone who is actually studying weather. Like that's, you know, they need to be in a meteorological science program. Like We don't even have a choice about that, but he's like, you have a really impressive resume. So I'm starting to get positive feedback. And so now I put another, um, internship application for next summer and this one's going in with an internal recommendation from the recruiter and he's already gotten a good word from my program advisor and I've now been in that program for two semesters so and the things on my resume now are real like I've learned them and it doesn't feel aspirational it feels like this is who I am and if I'm the right fit for you I welcome it if I'm not that's okay too because I feel like I have put my best foot forward I've fully represented who I am, what the things that I'm doing that are of interest to me and to just make it so that I am the best version of myself and that I continue to look for opportunities to listen, to pay attention, to show up and to speak up. I think the big part of being an advocate whether you are using your voice, whether you are writing it, whether you are um, just being present, and, you know, sometimes it's that voting with your feet, voting with your pocketbook, however it is that you want to show up and advocate to get things to be better um, for yourself and for others and invite th- others to help things be better for you. That is the role of the advocate. And that's just really important. We sometimes make fun of it when we call it the Karen, but you know, they, the idea of the Karen is that they're complaining about things that they really, nobody else would complain about. Um, but they have this sort of sense of entitlement, but there's something good about that too, is if you really are complaining about something that actually has value, actually is worthwhile, actually does need to be improved, actually does need someone in authority who can make a difference to do things better or to facilitate a process or to open a door. And that's the good part of advocacy. So you're not doing this just because you can or because you're entitled to do so or because you want to show that you're superior to someone else. It's not about any of that. It is simply about being able to make sure that you ask for what you need and your needs are met and that you're able to do that for others and others are able to do that for you. And so it's about speaking up, being heard, 
getting things done and getting circumstances to be improved, getting opportunities to open up and just generally being an advocate to make life better 